0: and welcome back to the epl roundtable i'm your host kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at epl roundtable or emailing us at epl roundtable at gmail.com
1: good evening i'm peter johnson from hull city fans group
2: tiger link
3: hi i'm scott here on the swanseway.co.uk. it's an independent site about the swans check it out or you can follow me on twitter at the way
2: I'm Dan from West Bromwich Albion fan site BaggiesFacts.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BaggiesFacts or check us out on Facebook. That's Facebook.com forward slash BaggiesFacts.
0: All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Peter, you're coming off of a pretty great win. How are you feeling about the right now?
1: Well, obviously extremely happy because I think it was uh, a very good and improved display by Hull City yesterday at Crystal Palace, uh, in two minds about it, really, because it's a huge boost. But I think most fans will be saying, hang on a minute, we can play like that. What's been going on over the last 10 to 12 weeks away from home? Because clearly this side has ability. I think your average Hull City fan would say, compared with the players last season that kept us up, this is a far better, better side this year. And yet we have struggled away from home and looked very, very ordinary in recent games. So I think coupled with the elation from what was a massive victory for us is a question of a question everyone's minds around why on earth has it taken this long and all this pressure to almost force a victory out of us. Uh, Much of the week at Hull City has been dominated by off-the-field news, which I'll touch on later. But Steve Bruce has been talking a lot about how we mustn't think about relegation, but at the same time did reveal that should we be relegated, players would find their salaries cut by up to 50%, uh, which hopefully won't happen. But was perhaps a timely reminder to some of the players to, uh, you know, get their best game out of the closet. Um, The performance of uh, Darman Doy at Crystal Palace will, I hope, have impressed some people. He's been very good in home matches, but had gone off the boil, so it was great for him to get goals. And it's probably fair to say he could have scored four goals at Crystal Palace, and and he did look good. And it was nice that we, we got the breaks, and, yeah, we did have a little bit of luck. Both with a disallowed Crystal Palace goal and a very likely handball by Robbie Brady for uh, our first goal, but I think I can say we, we do deserve a few breaks. I'm not going to moan about our injury crisis and some refereeing decisions, but you know, with the old cliche, it balances out over the season. I think we were due a couple, so I'm, I'm pleased about that. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, we we've got most of our points this season with Yelovich uh, up front. And he wasn't playing yesterday. And the big hope this week from Hull City fans was that both Diarmi and, and Jelovic would actually play some parts. Although the involvement of both of the five, last five games of the season is in doubt. Because I think there's a suggestion that you know uh, playing in the last five games could do them permanent damage. In terms of their recent in, um, injuries, when I say permanent damage, I mean longer-term damage and may influence their long-term ability to make a full recovery from from operations and an injury. But yeah, I mean the clouds of gloom were gathering around the KC Stadium, and this has temporarily lifted spirits. But it's probably as well that we go straight into Tuesday night and a game at home to Liverpool. We have four out of five games left at home and realistically I think we play uh, uh, Burnley, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal and Manchester United at home and realistically we need to avoid defeat against Burnley and probably beat one of the top sides that I've just mentioned there we also have a little matter of an away fixture at Spurs which is a diffi- one, difficult one to call it's certainly not an easy game but I wouldn't rule out a point for
0: us there yeah you'll bri- definitely be fighting harder
1: <laughs> just very briefly off the pitch I have to mention when talking about Hull City uh you know we now have uh out banners flags all over the place and I think regardless of whether we stay up, uh, there's a developing feeling that it's time for a very strong look at our owners and what they're doing. And we would, be, and certainly the balance of opinion is that, it, is that we would be better off with new owners. Of course, there will be those that say, better the devil you know. And I think they do have plus points in that they do let Steve Bruce get on with whatever he needs to do and don't interfere with matters on the pitch and then of course there's the um, that's the problem there isn't anything else apart from that and I think there's, there's this horrible situation that you get where you can tell that match by match there's more and more ill feeling but frankly the way they're behaving at the moment they deserve it and I don't expect them to be around too much longer
0: uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Diamond Doy there in the middle. I need to apologize. We, we discussed when he came in that I thought maybe the the uh, play wasn't supporting the strikers that you already had and that they were good enough, but clearly he has come in and made quite the difference. Are, are you thinking he'll be able to steer you to safety? Uh, no, I think that's a fair discussion. Um,
1: my view, which may not be shared by, by all of you, is, uh, and I don't know how much you know about the way we play, but... I don't think our strikers have been too bad all season.
0: Yeah,
1: I think our big weakness has been our inability to actually get quality ball to the front men. Um, Abel Hernandez has missed a few, but basically he hasn't had that many chances all season. And I'm looking to the likes of Huddleston, Livermore, Myler, Quinn, people like this in midfield who've not got goals and not provided you know, quality possession for the front men. I mean, yesterday we had Gaston Ramirez do what he was bought to do, I think, or rather loaned to us to do, which is, you know, pick up the ball and put through a telling pass, albeit a fairly straightforward one on the break. But he hasn't done enough of that. And I think it's that that we've been lacking all season, the ability to actually thread it through to the front men. You know, you can argue till you're blue in the teeth about whether they're good enough, but I think if... Umdoy or Hernandez went to a slightly better Premier League side it would be no surprise to me if they got 15 goals.
0: Fair enough All right, uh, Scott, you had a pretty exciting match this weekend what's your view from Swansea?
3: Well, first of all I don't do this very often, but I almost got a prediction right. I said 3-1 and then we were going to score goals from set pieces and we did did score a goal from a set piece remarkably, so that's now 4 for the season Uh, so that's an extra 33%. Well, well done, the Swans. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's a good game, I thought. Um, first half, we weren't very good. Um, people have been quite critical of Nelson Oliveira up until now. I think that's mostly born of uh, the fact that we've had Nelson Oliveira, uh, not no, um we've had Itay Schechter and Alvaro Vasquez on loan the last two seasons, and both of them have been very ineffectual, truth be told. So I think there's a kind of a an automatic assumption that if we've got a striker in on loan as a backup striker, he's going to be naff. But I don't know, like all season, I think I've probably said on here, I quite like the look of him. He's got a good first touch. He's big, he's strong, he can shoot with both feet. Um, and he just needs time. And and yeah, I thought he looked really, really good against Newcastle. He, he, he bossed it up front. It was a good header for the first goal to equalise. I don't know what Jordi Amat was doing for the opener, but uh, I think Jack Cork just got done for pace out wide quite disappointing but Cork's been excellent so he can't really quibble um, but in the second half we were much better I think man of the match for me would be John Joe Shelby though he was outstanding throughout uh, his first instinct seemed to be to play the simple pass and, and when he's got that level of technique and, and the engine that he's got um, if he if he can get his head down and, and make that his first instinct nine times out of ten c- coupled with the fact that if you put him in ten yards of space he's going to spank one from 30 yards and, and more often than not he hits the target now Um. Yeah, he's he's a formidable player and I think, uh, yeah, I think hopefully he can keep kicking on because he's a much, much better player now than when he joined. Um, and the other player I'd probably highlight is Jefferson Montero. I think he got another assist. Um, I was just looking at some stats before we came on here. There's only two players in the Premiership who've got more assists per 90 minutes who've played any decent amount of time. And that's Fabregas and Di Maria. Um, and what I like about Fabreg- uh what I like about Montero is, I don't know how much you guys have seen of him, but there's nothing flashy. I don't think I've ever seen him throw a step over. He's just direct, and he just—he's all end product. He just—he looked very threatening uh, in our last match. Yeah, and, and against Newcastle, he did his fullback a number of times. Janmat, I think it was. Um, yeah, and he's just really, really direct. And I, I was—I was watching Chelsea, and Hazard is you know, Hazard's a brilliant player, but at the same time, Hazard doesn't really do anything that flash most of the time he just takes the right option and he knows where to move into space and I think Montero that that's the kind of stuff he attempts he just he knows he's fast and he knows where the space is and he goes for it and he, he can cut back inside over and over and again and uh stand his full back up and and yeah yeah another assist for him so I think if he can keep improving like he has been I think the one worry is I think he, he might have picked up another injury again it looked like he was holding his hamstring and a knee when he was coming off. So hopefully that's nothing serious. But he has been—he has picked up a couple of injuries. Explosive player, as they say, prone to hamstring injuries and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, overall, you've got to be really pleased. It's, we haven't scored three goals away from home. We had not even scored more than one goal away from home, apart from at Spurs when we lost, at Chelsea when we lost, and at Manu on the opening game of the season when we won. Um, so goals away from home has been a problem. Uh, so we'd like to see us get a couple. Um, yeah, so just confident now. I think you know, fifty points is the most we've ever got in a Premier League season. Um, yeah, kick on from here and, and see how many points we can get.
0: All right, and Dan, what was your view from Albion? Well, we um, we we've come up against
2: Liverpool, who aren't in the uh, they're not in the finest vein of vein of form themselves at the minute, but of course. Um, that they are a, a bit more formidable up top than uh, than we're looking at the moment, and and to get the nil-nil draw was I thought I thought it was a fair, a fair result to be honest. We we battled away and we really limited Liverpool to basically just shots from outside the box. Um, Coutinho had one effort which was well saved by Boaz Meyer and that's the closest I got to goal and and that was from just inside the 18 yard box we we really just we covered everything um two two banks of four um often with another player dropping in from up front if when you know when Victor and HB could be asked to move more, more than 5 yards um so, so yeah we we battled really well and I'm I'm chuffed with the uh, I'm chuffed with the point overall and and the baggies fans we don't mind a battling performance under Tony Pulis getting a point against against a, a you know a top five or top six team. We don't mind that at all. The complaints have come in recent weeks that we've done that against the so-called lesser sides. Of course, we're a lesser side ourselves, so we can say I can say that um, the, the so-called lesser sides, um, and we, we've not picked up the results that have been required. So, um, I think I think that's a good point. I don't want to see us. Sitting back and and battling, uh, you know, trying to battle away for a for a point when we're playing the, the teams at the bottom of the table, but but then of course you know we must adapt, and, and if that's needed in, on some occasions, then that's fair enough. But not for a whole ninety minutes, and uh, there, were, there were times in, in, the in the Leicester game where we lost three two that um, we just didn't even get out of our own half, and and at home against Leicester, that is, that is a bit of a a bit too um, a bit too negative, shall we say? So. Um, on the whole, the Baggies fans, even the ones that aren't so chuffed with Pulis um, being in charge at the Baggies, of which there are still a fair few, um, can be pleased with the uh, with the point against Liverpool. A couple of side pointers. Um, I'll probably mention him again when we get to player watch, if, if we get there. Um, Victor Anichibi, <clears throat> for me, he can go in the summer. In fact, I hope he goes and I'll pack his bags for him if he wants to go. Um, complete wrong attitude. Constantly throwing his arms in the air when the referee doesn't give him a decision. Half the time the referee's not giving him a decision <clears throat> from a situation where he feels that he's been felled. When basically he's just not trying hard enough or he's a big physical lad and he's not battling with defenders. You know, he's an he's absolute tank. He should be winning most headers up there with, with defenders who are not his size um, at least half of them, you know, he should be being able to, to bring others into play and control the ball and that's his job. And he wasn't doing that at all. Now, if he wasn't doing that through lack of ability, then that's fair enough. But he's got the ability. We've seen it. And he's, you know, he's he's not doing it because it just doesn't seem to be, I'm not sure what it is, but he just doesn't seem to be trying hard enough for me. Uh, and that's that's a fairly strong accus- accusation. but. For me, he just doesn't look interested. I'm sick to death of players, not just an HB, of players in the Premier League and whatever league, really, moaning at the ref and standing still with your arms in the air, waiting for a decision when the ball is two or three yards away. Go and challenge for that ball back. Get the ball back. Don't moan at the referee. Get on with the game. Play to the whistle. Can't stand that. And and his performance um, against Liverpool was lacklustre, to say the least. And I'm I'm a bit fed up with it. And to be honest... When we get to the end of the season and and the clear outs to be made by Pulis, he's going to be the striker that loses out, I think. Um, I think I-Day's got more of a chance of staying at the club. Um, Positives to come from the game are certainly Callum McManaman's fine um, cameo performance. He came on, he made a real impact. Um, gliding past players. Look, we've we've control of the ball as well. Pace, pace, speed, accuracy. Re- really, really did well getting down our left hand side and cutting in. Nearly scored. Um, and it'd be great to see him fit a lot more often. Um, and you know, Chris Brunt, James Morrison, the old guard, really put in a good performance. So overall, happy happy with a point. Um, and we move on to Manchester United next
0: week. All right, um, for Tottenham, we traveled to Southampton. We knew it was going to be an interesting one as we were right next to each other in the table with uh, Man City and United kind of struggling. This was kind of our, our last-ditch attempt to force ourselves into the top-four chase, and once again, we failed to get all three points. Um, not expecting it, obviously, um, but does kind of make us reflect more harshly on, on the the draw to Burnley. Um so it's it's not a thing that we're going to look back on too fondly as we could have been in with a chance. But uh, looking on this one, uh, Scott, you uh, informed me on the Thursday that I was saying Ben Davies when I should have been saying Ben Davis. I did. And he was promptly shit. And I <laughs> hold you should, largely should accountable for that. You should have played Danny Rosé. Danny (laughs) Rosé. As I tweeted you, I think saying his name correctly summons his mediocrity. Um, And that was on full display. He had an absolute nightmare of a match. Um, The the first goal was him messing up like three different times. So first, he was uh, complaining about a call that had been made on the right side of the pitch from his perspective. Uh, so he didn't give Mason an outlet pass out wide. So then Mason held onto the ball too long, slipped. The ball got knocked past him towards Davies, who then tried to outmuscle Graziano Pele, and then just got absolutely mugged. He could have cleared the ball, either either to the stands behind the goal, out for a throw-in. Just didn't do it. Tried to outmuscle Pele and just got absolutely destroyed. Um, and then later in the match, he got he got just mugged by Mane who I'll get to later not pleased with him but and and then he ended up getting hurt and it was just a really really bad day at the office for him it looked like a dislocated shoulder it didn't look too bad as far as dislocated shoulders go I think it went down the ones you really have to be worried about are when they jam up um but anyway you know hope he gets better soon but it was not one of the better days of his life to be sure um it was the second time in three weeks that our six foot five Argentinian ball winning center back uh, didn't even get off the ground and was headed uh, a goal was headed in over him. First with Benteke today, uh, sorry today yesterday again. Um, it was done by Pele for Pele's second. Uh, I, I was calling for Fazio to start again about two or three weeks ago, um, and. It's hard to argue the point of him if he doesn't have the pace to keep up with play, and he isn't able to win headers when he's six foot five. I mean, that's literally why we got him, um, was to pair with Vertonghen, who you know is more of a ball playing centre back. Um, so very <laughs> disappointed with him. On the plus side, Nasser Chadli scored again, making us the first Premier League side this year with three players in double digits for goals. Uh, as Harry Kane has 20, Erickson has 10, and now Chadley has 10. Uh, Now all we have to do is stop conceding like we're going down. (laughs) Um, uh, Sadio Mane. I I just mentioned him. And Scott, I saw you tweeting about it as well. It was one of... And I hate that I'm going to do this two weeks in a row, because I don't like getting kind of elitist about football, but it was one of the most disgraceful performances of football I've seen in the last few years, at least. Just every time the ball came near him, he was lying on the ground. And he w- he didn't just go down the first time. He would stay down and act like he was hurt. There was one uh, around, around uh, the halfway line where he was just sitting there for about two minutes until the ref had to stop play to go ask him why he didn't stand up. And he was just moaning from the ground. It was so infuriating. Especially added on to... The fact that the Southampton fans that on Thursday I said I was sure were going to be classy about Pochettino's return were not. They were doing all kinds of Pochettino as a wanker chants and the who are you things. And, and this is all after Ronald Kuman was like, you know, th- th- look at what he's done for this club. He set us up for all this success, which, by the way, they've had. They mocked Pochettino like they would if you know, they were struggling, if they were facing the relegation battle that some of us thought they'd have this year. But they've succeeded. They were only one point behind us in the table. So why would you act like the bitter ex-girlfriend when you've succeeded just as much? I, I didn't understand it at all. And the Mane thing combined with that, and they borrowed a couple not-so-kind chants um, that were aimed at us. I, I legitimately lost respect. Uh, not-, not all of it, but I, I lost some respect for S- Southampton as a club. And, and as a fan base, who previously I had held in very high esteem. Um, on the flip side of that, the Spurs fans came out and sang several very pro-Pochettino chants, which was, according to him, the first time that's happened. I, I think I've heard a couple before, but uh, I would imagine that he he would know better than I. Um, so he came out and thanked the Spurs fans for supporting him while his former club's fans slated him. Um I thought Paulinho would get the start, but he he missed it as his wife just gave birth. Uh, so on top of all the football stuff, you know, I, I I've given Paulinho a lot of crap, but you know, real life is more important. So so congratulations to him and his family. Um, now on to award stuff where we had Della Ali, who's the midfielder we signed in January, we gave back on loan to MK Dons. He made the League One team of the year. Alex Pritchard on loan to Brentford uh, got into the Championship. Team of the Year, and Harry Kane uh, was uh, uh, elected to the PFA Team of the Year uh, in the Premiership. So that was very exciting. Harry Kane has had a tremendous season. Regardless of whether or not he wins Player of the Year tonight, that that should be happening after we record and before you hear this, so don't worry about us not knowing what's happened with that. But congrats to him since he won. Or, no, I can't believe he didn't win. You can take whichever one of those is more appropriate. But joining Harry Kane in the team of the year are Diego Costa, Eden Hazard, Philippe Coutinho, Nemanja Matic, Alexis Sanchez, Ryan Bertrand, John Terry, uh, Gary Cahill, and Branislav Ivanovic with De Gea as their keeper. Do you guys agree with the 11 that was chosen? Who do you feel got snubbed? What do you make of, of this year's team of the year?
1: Yeah, I guess overall... There's not much I would sort of fervently disagree with. Uh, I guess it's a little bit dull in that it's all players from sides that you would expect uh, the eleven to come from. So what I do is sort of say, well, how many of these would you have predicted at the start of the season? And, of course, the one name that does shine out is Harry Kane. And uh, I'd just like to say it is a phenomenal achievement what he's achieved this year. I think it really is very, very special for a youngster like that to come through and to consistently score the goals he has and play as well as he has. Normally when you get someone burst through like that, they have sort of like a good couple of months or a really good first half or second half of the season. But... To the best of my knowledge he's been consistent through the season and and thoroughly deserves all the accolades he gets i think he's very special and i hope he's a big part of the england international side for a long time um when i say dull about the rest of them i don't mean that in a sort of uh derogatory sense it's just that it's a little bit predictable i suppose uh, Ryan Bertrand from uh, Southampton is a, a vaguely controversial selection, but he is very well regarded. Personally, yeah, Costa. I mean, I can't argue with Costa, and he has been fantastic, but he plays for Chelsea, gets good service. Personally, I I would have gone more for Olivier uh, Giroud or Charlie Austin. Uh, and again, maybe it's because I'm from a club that comes from in recent times, you know, sort of fairly uh, humble uh, background in, ter- in terms of we've spent a lot of time in the Championship in League One and I like the way Charlie Austin has emerged as a player. But I think Charlie Austin has had an amazing season and, you know, he's been playing for a side that's been in the bottom three and I think he's scored what? Has he scored 16, 17 Premier League goals? Now, this was voted for by the players themselves, so I, I guess it's not on public opi- you know, it's a popular opinion. But uh, that's what really strikes me about it. The back four, I mean, you can't really quibble with the, the Chelsea lads, um, yeah. Ivanovic, Cahill and Terry. I mean, you know, they are solid performance. performers. It's just a little bit sort of routine, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, I'd like to see a, a few more names in the more, more sort of less fashionable performers i guess but that that's just my personal take on it but you know as i say the thing that hits me is just you know at the start of the season my question is how many people would have thought harry kane would have been in the team <laughs> of the year?
0: Yeah. yeah its it's been an absolutely astonishing uh, rise to fame for him definitely
2: i was gonna i was just gonna pick up on them the one player that you haven't mentioned in all of that um, Philip Coutinho, why, why on earth is he? Why on earth is he uh, in in that team? <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got no idea. I, I mean, un, unless um, and Liverpool fans have all got the vote for this, then I've got no idea how he's managed to get into that team. He's not been consistent throughout the whole season, um, and you, you've you know seen on the social media at the moment that Liverpool fans are saying that stats doesn't mean everything, but the same people. That would be using the stats if, if a player was um, scoring hatfuls of goals like Suarez was for them last season so you know I don't I, I don't think you can ignore the stats when it comes to assist stats and goal stats which are the two massive key um the, the biggest things in the game aren't they You're, you know you don't win you don't win football matches without someone setting up goals and without someone scoring them um and it's all well and good saying that a player can can you know dribble past a couple of players but Coutinho's end product hasn't always been there this season. Yeah, he scored a wonder goal um, and Yerry's yeah, capable of being a fantastic player worthy of being in, in the team of the season but I don't quite think he's that player just yet. Um, but for me, um, I would be swapping him out for maybe Santi Cazorlo who's got seven goals, eight assists. Even Chris Brunt at the baggies has got double the amount of assists that, um, that Coutinho's got and he's been playing left back for half the season. So, you know, like I say, you know, I just feel that his inclusion is um, slightly—he's wrong in my word. even even for for you, Scott Sigurdson. I think he's got he's got six, six maybe?
3: goals, ten assists. Yeah,
2: so I mean that's phenomenal, really. Uh, especially when you when you look at the fact, with no disrespect, that he's playing for yeah, Swansea yeah. And, and not yeah. Liverpool. Well,
0: although I I do think we can all admit that second half performance is much more heavily weighed um, in these awards, which is evidenced by Gareth Bale winning it the year that he had the the hat-trick against Inter Milan, despite the fact that he only ended up with two or three goals, I think it was, in the Premier League. Um, And Sigurdsson had an amazing first half, but has kind of fallen off the pace. I think even you would agree, Scott.
3: Uh, Yeah, he did have a big span. I think it's down to the change of formation as well. I think when I look at the team, to be honest, like... uh, Peter used a good word when he said routine. I think that's the key word for me. It's like with anything, really, for me now that goes on in the top sort of six, I'm just not that interested. It's just an, an, another little elite world that I think we were talking about it on here before. Like I kind of wish all the big teams would go off and form a super league, and we we could have the competition back, and, and everybody could have a shot at the top, you know? Um, because un, until until it is a bit more competitive, and until teams like Man City, Manchester United, even Spurs, Arsenal, um, until there isn't an ability there from the big team to just sign all of the best players from from any team, like West Brom or Swansea. you know, Because as soon as any player has one decent season, it's like, oh, he's angling for a move, and his agent, of course, just wants the best for him, and he's not doing it because they want money, of course. But they have one good season, and then all of a sudden, they're worth 10, 15, depending on how good the season is, like Kane, more. Um, and, and depending on what level they are they're always going to want that move and I think if it was more competitive then you'd have more players like like a Steven Gerrard perhaps who, who stayed at his club for the entire career if you had say a, a player of that quality coming through at a club like West Brom or Swansea and he knew that he could stay at the club and, and they could be competitive that's a boost in itself because if that player's there there's an attraction for other players there because you can build a team around him and you can bring players in to play around him and It makes it more competitive all round, and I think it's it's, you know the PFA Team of the Year for me is just kind of a a representation of just sort of how dominant the top teams are relevant to the rest of the league. It's just (laughs) take it or leave it. Like I I don't ever expect unless the Swans finished in like the top top four. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine any Swansea player ever making that list, And, and, and and and. well, I you know, I, well, like I, I mean, said, I not, think if Boney not, had like,
0: stayed, if Boney had stayed at Swansea, he likely would have been able to to crack it, or at least have a really good chance.
3: I don't know. I, well, if you've got players like Agüero and Kane, Kane and Costa, I, I don't think you would. And to be honest, I, like I'm not particularly arguing with the team. I'm not. That's not really my, my gripe. To be honest, is like I understand that that those players have all played very well at, at their big clubs, but I think I think my point is the accumulation of talent at big clubs. Um, just makes it kind of a bit bit boring for the rest for the for the rest of us because yeah, just like a chip in there. Like and agree with 12, that. Because, Twelve million players coming off the bench just to waste time in an Arsenal Chelsea, you know? Yeah, like, I
1: totally agree with that. I, I think perhaps something has happened with the you know the, the PFA Team of the Year and the awards, and that it now does represent perhaps the best players um you know it turned the definition the best players are included in that 11 i think in years gone by stop me if you disagree it was not just ability it was about sort of like application dedication mm-hmm. and because it was the players players award it was a bit more earthy and was spread around more readily amongst a variety of clubs whereas you know uh, the reason i used the word routine was that yeah, okay, it's it is a great team and some great players there, but Harry Kane aside and and Ryan Bertrand aside perhaps, it's basically some very very expensive players that belong to the you know the, the top 3 or 4 clubs and all yeah. very predictable and not overly interesting to this particular hull city
0: fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, I actually uh, did a little bit of research on the Coutinho selection, which I would agree is the one that is uh, kind of the most surprising, especially at a position that that's often regarded as you know one of the most uh, impactful uh, in the Premier League, which is like that attacking midfield role. And so, like I said, I, I did a little stat-looking, and I included uh, a player from each of the teams that are represented on today's podcast. So, um, from Swansea, we have Kisu Young. Uh, for Tottenham, we have Eric Lamela. For West Bromwich Albion, I included Berahino. It's kind of a cop-out, but don't worry about it. Uh, and for Hull, I put in El Mahammedi. And compared to Coutinho, in the stats that I would consider to matter the most... I know Dan said people will refute the stats... Um, But in the stats I think that matter the most, so you have uh, goals, assists, chances created, um, pass completion, and successful take-ons, right? Those are all stats that are heavily used by those positions. I'm not trying to stat pick to make this argument. I'm just trying to point out that, again, out of those four, Young, Lamela, Berrinho, El-Mohamedy, guess how many of those stats that I just listed Coutinho is first in? Zero. Zero. Yeah, incredible. In goals scored... Of those five, he's third, in assists, he's second, in chances created, he's third, in pass completion, he's fourth, and in take-ons, he's third. Oh. I'm not, I'm like you guys said, I'm not picking from the top clubs, you know, the highest one up in the table is Tottenham, but you know, that's who I support, so you, you just gotta kind of deal with that a little bit, but I'm picking guys from your teams. That had better seasons than Philippe Coutinho. And, you know, I know we have a lot of Liverpool guys on here and Anfield Index is a partner site. But you can't, you can't mask this. The, the, he has no business being around the team of the year. And I do realize that, you know, these, these are the players talking about it. I very much doubt he'd get in the writers team of the year. But uh, if his name is Philip Curtis, no one cares. I genuinely believe that his name is Philippe Coutinho. He's a Brazilian that plays for Liverpool, and for some reason, this has offered a degree of clout that has not yet been earned. I agree with Dan that he will likely get there, and I do think he's one of the better players at that position in the Premier League. But to say he's the best at that position in the Premier League, or that this season indicates that, is you know, it's not a discussion for me. It's just patently untrue. Um, but anyway, I'm going to jump off my. My uh, preaching box there. Um, for me, the, I agree that Nemanja Matic is an is an incredible holding midfielder, probably best in in the Premier League. Um, but Fabregas not getting in, I think is crazy. Jose Font not getting in, I think is crazy. I, you know, even as a Tottenham fan, you can't deny the season that Cathorla had. Um, but that, you know, that again would be adding more to the the big clubs that are in there. So uh, just kind of as a fun exercise, what guys do you think will kind of be in uh, an underrated 11 uh, of guys that you think deserve recognition but might not be able to break into that specific uh, team of the year? Well, we've already mentioned one, haven't we, that
2: would, should break into that first 11, really, I'd say. Mm. I'd say Sigurdsson des- deserves a shout. You'd, you'd probably be looking at Balassi at Crystal Palace with the impact that he's had since Pardew's oh, been sure. there. Sure. I've just um, had a look
3: at the, I've just had a look at the last couple of years. Teams though, I mean, like if you look back and just going from this season, you've got Ryan Bertrand at Southampton, so they're not going to finish top four this season and Kane, yeah. um, if Spurs don't finish top four. Um then if you go back to last season, you've got uh, Seamus Coleman, Everton, Luke Shaw, Adam Lalana, Saints. Uh if you go back uh season before that, Leighton Baines left back, yeah. uh Yan and Spurs, I don't know whether Spurs that season's That was the fifth year with with Bale and Brotogon. Um, you know, season before that, you got Gareth Bale Spurs, Scott Parker Spurs. Yeah. Uh, Scott Parker was monumental that year. But you haven't got many, you know. Like this is going back like five years now. You're looking at it. uh, Anybody in that team? Uh, Spurs, Gareth Bale in the in in the team that year. There's not many players in these teams that are outside the top four. You know, like 2009-10. You've got James Milner, Aston Villa, Richard Dunn. Uh, mm. Joe Hart, Birmingham, um, Yeah, it's just, it's heavily weight. Like I say, it's if you're a player, if you're playing for a club outside the top, a, a team that's expected or will finish Champions League, I can't imagine a player ever expects to get voted into a PFA Players Team of the Year the way it seems at the moment. Like I say, I'd imagine going back over time, just purely because in the past it has been slightly more competitive perhaps 10 20 years ago and and longer uh, mm-hmm. it, it, there was there was more variation and 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 like you say you, you know, you'll get players staying at one club for for 10 years just because they like it <laughs> because the money wasn't that good anywhere else so there, <laughs> there was no, there was no point moving you know um so yeah so it's it's just like i say it's it's just something that's, because of the way modern football's gotten i think it, it's heavily weighted towards players at the big clubs um, so it's similar to the, like, the collection of all the other trophies and everything else, really, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, uh, very few clubs have got think, uh, trophy cabinets with lots <laughs> in it over, over the last sort of, 10,
0: 20 years, I guess. Uh, question for you. Dan mentioned that Sigurdsson would kind of be in that underappreciated 11. Uh As a Swansea supporter, would you say he
3: or Key would be more deserving of such a, uh unimportant honour? I'd say based on what I've seen of Coutinho this season, I think you could genuinely argue that both have had better seasons. Um, yeah. If I had to say over the course of the season, just in terms of being solid, I'd probably favor Key, to be honest, despite the fact that Sigurdsson had, has had such a good season. Um, I think Key's got seven goals. Yeah, I don't think he's got as many assists. Sigurdsson. Yeah, Key's at seven and one. Yeah, so it's... I, I don't know, it's... It it is kind of a flip of a coin stuff to be honest. They've both been excellent, and and Sigurdsson has probably I haven't checked the stats, but in terms of goals that get you points, like he scored against Arsenal to to level it up when we were behind. He's got a knack of scoring sort of handy goals at important times. Um, so yeah, so I I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I'm leaning towards Sigurdsson. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You'd, you'd have to you'd have to put a gun to my head to make me choose. I think, <laughs> Uh I can guarantee you
0: that on the EPL roundtable, no guests were hurt in the recording of this podcast. <laughs> Russian
3: with the EPL round table.
0: <laughs> what about Morgan Schneidlin? Oh yeah, he he did have some injury problems in the middle of the year, but when he does play, yeah, he's very impactful. Peter, who who do you think has been underrated this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sigurdsson, I, w- I would certainly go for. Um, just really more on the, you, someone mentioned Fabregas, and yeah, I suppose he's, I mean, some of these players are what I'd call Hollywood, aren't they? Maybe Coutinho's like that, in that, yeah. you know, if a Brazilian scores a free kick, it's a fantastic free kick and better than an Englishman scoring a free kick like that. Uh, it's the sort of thing you hear an awful lot, but there is some truth in it, in terms of people's perceptions and what they see, et cetera, et cetera. If a Burnley player, rather than take my... If a Burnley player was top of the stats, uh, the sort of stats you referred to previously, Kevin, um, you know, would that Burnley player, in the present circumstances, with them in the bottom three, would that Burnley player get in the team of of the year? Yeah, I doubt Uh, it. Probably not. I think that's what we're fighting against. I would like to see a more down-to-earth approach to it with less domination, and uh, you know, by by the top sides. Uh, as for people who've been excluded, just just quickly on on uh, Fabregas. Fabregas, uh, I think many would think should be in there, but hasn't he developed this reputation where he fades away in a season? In the
0: second half, yeah, and that, that's yeah, kind of to my earlier really point about how stats. the first half seems to be forgotten in
2: these awards. Yeah, hasn't he got something like sixteen assists or something ridiculous? Seventeen.
3: Yeah, he's assists. way, way, way out in front of anybody else. Yeah. Mm.
1: But I think it's the last two seasons that he he fades away after Christmas, uh, particularly after January, February time, in terms of those stats and indeed his visible performances.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's that's been talked about, hasn't it? And it was talked about yeah. in his Barca days as well. But I think there's no doubt, and he's a fantastic player, and he's certainly more, um, he's certainly more. You know, he's 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 worth more than you, than, you know, putting Cotinho in there. But um I think I think that Chelsea side that that side he's already done. I mean, had he bought Chelsea, so we probably couldn't could do with another one in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just like what team's gonna win the title? Eleven Chelsea players. Cool. One there. All right, fair enough. Um yeah, for me. Uh, Underrated players I, All the ones that I just listed I think are pretty underrated Somehow, out of those five uh, Well, not five, because obviously Coutinho Was the most highly regarded But I think Barahina would be second I think the hype on LaMela has kind of cooled down a bit I feel like not many people know about Key I could be wrong um, But, you know, I hate to take it this angle But I have him in, in uh, fantasy football And uh, every week just continues to impress uh, and I I do tune into a, a fair Char- share of Swans. Charlie
3: Austin—that's another name. Because like oh, say-
0: Charlie Austin Does, isn't amount- he on seventeen?
3: But yeah, but that's what I mean. Like the amount of goals he scored for QPR, I'd say, is a lot more impressive. It's two less amount-
0: than Chelsea's Costa. Yeah. I think
3: the the impressive thing about the impressive thing about Charlie
2: Austin is that his contribution of no goals doubt. is something like forty-five <laughs> percent of yeah. all of QPR's goals.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, but yeah I mean, you, you no, can assess value
1: saying. As well. Where would would QPR be? We'd take Charlie Austin goals away.
2: And where a QPR? They'd have been relegated already, wouldn't they? Yeah.
3: 45% is goal ratio Now, there's no better
2: way than assessing someone's importance than
1: that. Where would QPR be in the table now? They would be adrift and gone.
0: All right, we're going to do a very quick player watch where we only talk about the players that impressed, not the ones that disappointed because everybody complains about it anyway, and we're running out of time. So, Peter, who impressed you most in Hull's most recent performance? Yeah, sure. Just a quickie then. Um Great win for us at Crystal Palace at Selhurst
1: Park. First time in 30 years, which was superb. And uh, yeah, we scored two goals and, and Doi took the headlines. But a word for Steve Harper, who at the age of 40 has taken in goal for us from uh, McGregor, Alan McGregor, and has performed very well since he returned to the side two or three games ago. Uh, You know, still a huge professional at the age of 40, came into that game, Kept a clean sheet, you know, doesn't ask for a lot of adulation and and praise, but a fantastic professional, and he was the player I'd take out of that game. Not many will, but he's the one I really admire because the clean sheet was massive for us
0: away from home. All right, Dan, who was most impressive for you for the Albion? Yeah, Scott, you mentioned that you finally scored out of a set piece, but is that who impressed you most this weekend?
3: Yeah, in fairness, I think I said we were going to score three goals from set pieces, (laughs) <laughs> Just about, um, but uh, but yeah, we we could have to be honest. I mean, Ash Williams, Mister Sitter, in sort of the, the tenth minute, Fernandez had one from a corner. You know, both, all from corners. Uh, Fernandez similar kind of thing, missed one from a corner, and then Oliveira similar kind of chance unmarked again, and and, and he tucked his away. So, so fair play to him. Um, but like like I mentioned earlier, I think if I had to pick a player, John Joe Shelby, he was, he was absolutely excellent. And he's got so much going for him, technically and and physically. He has got an engine on him. His work rate's brilliant, and there's no doubt in his application. You know, and and and, and everybody's seen him stuff the ball in from sort of forty-yard yards. So he's obviously got that in his locker. And and if you can restrict that to only doing it when it's a sensible option, it's a seriously formidable player. And and if he keeps doing that, um, yeah, it, it's it. it I don't know. He's the kind of player England like, isn't it? You know, somebody who spanks this ball in from thirty-five yards. Um, yeah. So if he keeps doing it, you'd he'd, he'd have to think he's going to be kind of knocking on the England door as well. I think. Fair enough. And Dan, who impressed
0: you the most for the Albion?
2: Hmm. I'd probably give it to James Morrison, who under um, under Tony Pulis has been a revelation. Um, we use the phrase um, that he's like a Duracell bunny because he just gets everywhere all over the pitch um and apart from Morrison, and uh, a mention for Craig Gardner as well who who's hit form and scored a couple of goals in recent weeks and against um against Liverpool he was uh really you know, he he was just fighting for everything you know a, a typical hard working you know not giving anything up performance um unlike that of Victor and HB who was crap
0: <laughs> fair enough um, for Tottenham, it was a very weird match where, where the attacking play was good, but obviously we conceded two pretty cheap goals. Uh, obviously, Davies would be the player that disappointed uh, if we were doing that with Fazio right behind him, and then Sadio Man from the other team uh, rounding out that group. Um, I'll probably go with Nasser Chadli, who who I've been uh, <coughs> harsh on lately, uh, saying that he was kind of uh, absent from matches, and he he did show up, and it was more than just the goal. Uh, he wasn't very productive on the left in the first half. Uh, Pochettino switched him over to the right, and then he, he started doing much better up against Team of the Year candidate Ryan Bertrand. Um, but I, I thought he put in a very valiant performance. And LaMela, who I've also been <laughs> uh, blaming for a lot of our issues this year, uh, had a pretty decent match. Um, still not confident when he has the ball in the final third. Uh, he had a, a pretty decent run that amounted to nothing. Um, which, you know, you could probably say once a match. But he, he's much like Ericsson, where Ericsson has kind of fallen off the pace uh, going forward, has, has uh, matched that uh, effort level going back and tracking and, and helping defend. LaMela not a great on-ball defender, but he, he seems to have a pretty decent eye for, for intercepting a pass, kind of seeing the passing lanes uh, and just getting himself in the way. So uh, two players that I've been pretty disappointed with. Uh, both scoring. I'm not gonna talk about the LaMela handball. Yes, it hit his hand. Do I think it was in a natural position? I, I honestly don't know. Um, so we're not gonna dive into that too much. All right, on to match previews where we only have one. Uh, but as as Peter mentioned, Hull are about to face Liverpool. So what do you see coming from that match? Yeah, well we've had the the baggy soften up Liverpool
1: for us <laughs> yesterday, haven't we? Um, the 0-0 draw there. I'm not quite sure whether a 0-0 draw for Liverpool away from home is useful for us. But certainly I think there are worse times to play Liverpool, and we did beat them at home last season. Tigers fans being Tigers fans, they will now expect us, having beaten Crystal Palace 2-0, they'll now see us a completely different side and expect us to beat everybody. So Tuesday night there will be a great deal of expectation. I don't think we've got any injuries from yesterday and I would expect us to line up pretty much the same. Didn't feel that Liverpool were at their best yesterday, but they're still a quality side with some quality players. Uh, But I do think that if we could nick a goal against them, they haven't been getting the goals recently. And if we could nick the first goal... I think we might just nick a point. So I'm going for a one-all draw. Uh, it's a little bit optimistic, but that's my prediction. Yeah,
0: that's an excellent point, Peter. Liverpool have been struggling, which has caused some of their uh, Twitter people to think that they could come in for Harry Kane, to which I'd kindly remind them that they can look somewhere else. Uh, Harry Kane, he's taunting him through and through, isn't he? Um, so I, I very much doubt that that would be on the cards. But if, if you're sniffing around, probably around $40 million would be his quote-unquote price. But... I honestly don't see him going soon. Uh, And with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or if you want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time.
1: Okay, yeah, just really to remind everybody, I'm Peter Johnson, Hull City fan. I run the Hull City supporter group, TigerLink, www.tigerlink.co.uk which is social media-based, and basically we promote all things Hull, Hull Sport, local sport, and particularly Hull City. Um, Nothing particularly wild happening at the moment, because we're very much committed to trying to sort out all the tensions with our owners. Uh, So that's really all I want to say about that for the moment.
3: Yeah, cheers for listening. I'm Scott from the Swansea Way uh yeah check out the website there's uh, always new stuff going up so have a look at that uh follow us on twitter at the swansea way or check out the swansea podcast we do which is at the jackass or thejackass.com
2: cheers for having me on um i've been dan from west Brom fan site um you can check out our match review um which is online now from a liverpool game a and there'll be plenty of content on there, I'm sure, ahead of the, um, of our next game against the almighty Red Devils-Manchester United. Cheers.
0: Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Uh, I do fantasy rankings over at PlayTaga. I do writing over at the Eagles' Beak. I host this podcast. Uh, if you want to yell at me about how disrespectful I was to Liverpool or Philippe Coutinho, you can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. If you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can either tweet us at EPLRoundTable or email us at EPLRoundTable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.